We're going to go to the book of Numbers tonight. Numbers chapter 21. The book of Numbers in chapter 21. Continue on in our series, The Scarlet Thread. Numbers chapter 21. Looks like we're all about there. Numbers 21. Look down to verse number 4. And if you'll follow along, I'm going to read down just a few verses. Not a lot. Numbers 21 verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass And put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Uh, Boy, a really profound title here. The serpent of brass. Okay, subtitle. Look and live. Look and live. Let's pray. We'll get going. Father, just one more time, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and ask you for the power we need to preach this message the way that you'd have it done. We're trusting you to do the work in hearts and lives that only you can do. Please meet with us, we pray. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. Brother, can you turn down that air conditioner just a little bit? Can you do that? Appreciate it. Let's do just a little bit of review. Very short, very short review. We know that the purpose of atonement is to make us one with God again. At one minute. Remember that? Somebody say amen, please. Okay, thank you. And, and so, so atonement is to make us one with God again. A man and God was separated in a garden by sin. And so something had to be done to bring us back again. And our, our oneness, that oneness was broken because of Adam and Eve's sin. And God's provision for atonement is blood. It is blood. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. And we are very thankful for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very thankful for that. One preacher said, all of the Bible is about the Lord Jesus. It is a hymn book. H-I-M. It is a hymn book. If you don't see Jesus, you better reread it. And Jesus is all the way through the book. I mean, he's all the way from beginning to the end. I mean, he is there all the way. The whole Bible, the whole Bible, please, please, we need to understand this. The whole Bible is a gospel book. 
I know the gospel, we put a gospel in a nutshell, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the whole Bible is a gospel book. We need to understand that. It tells the story of man's sin and God's provision of a Savior. That, that God, God had a plan all along. And it does it in both words and it does it in types. And another of these types is found in the story of this brass serpent. Uh, Jesus himself referred to the event in his conversation with Nicodemus over in John chapter 3. And it's a story that takes us back to the Garden of Eden, uh, to the record of man's fall and God's curse upon the serpent found over in Genesis chapter number 3. And I don't think we'd have any trouble, I don't think I'd have any trouble getting anybody to agree uh, that uh, Adam and Eve were snake bit in Eden. They were snake bit. They were infected with the deadly venom of sin and infected with its curse, that curse that was passed on to all of their children and on down to us. And that is the bad news of the gospel that's really impossible to escape. In fact, it's just is impossible to escape. We can't escape that. The good news is that God has provided a Savior. Amen. And that's, that's great news. And, and one who, he provided one who would be born of woman and who would crush the serpent's head and rescue us from the deadly effects of sin. Very thankful. And that truth is pictured in this account from Israel's wandering out in the wilderness. And so, when you think about a fresh encounter with an old sin, think about this. Over in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1, the Bible speaks of a sin that does so easily beset us. A sin that does easily beset us. Um, and we call that a besetting sin, a specific sin, or maybe even sins that each of us as individuals are most likely co- to commit, that besetting sin. Everybody has one. Now I'm looking at all of you. And if I had a mirror, I'd look at myself. Everybody has one. I mean, that besetting sin that does so easily beset us. So, so um, uh, we're talking about sins that ensnare us more easily and more frequently than other sins. And my besetting sin is probably going to be not the same as your besetting sin and vice versa. But the writer of Hebrews says that we all have one. We have these besetting sins. So what would your guess be from reading this account? What would your guess be of of what Israel's besetting sin was in the wilderness? Well, I can go ahead and tell you, it's the same one that we saw when we looked at the account of the smitten rock. The very same one. Uh, well, preacher, you know, I've slept since then, so what's that all about? Well, Israel was, was prone to grumbling and complaining and griping and murmuring. Uh, their default response, get this, their default, to, uh, their default response to hardship and difficulty and discouragement and disappointment was to murmur and complain. They murmured and complained. And one truth that we really learn from this, and need to learn for sure, is that God sees murmuring and complaining as being more wicked than we do. Oh, come on, we don't think, well, I, you know, I'm just griping a little bit about what's going on in my life. It's not like I'm, you know, I, you, you. And no, 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 we try to justify that, don't we? We try to justify that. Come on, and so, well, that's not that bad. Well, apparently it's pretty bad because, I mean, a lot of people died back then because of it. 
because of murmuring and complaining, because of griping and mumbling and all these things. And this murmuring and griping started because the Israelites became discouraged. Listen, please listen to this. This is, this is, this is right, right where we live. It started because the Israelites became discouraged by difficulty in the way. That's what it says. In, in the way. The train was hard. I mean, it was, no, no, no. It's, it's not like they didn't have difficulties. But don't we all have difficulties? Yeah, they had difficulties. And where they were traveling, the wilderness out there, it was, it was not a nice place. In fact, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, when he was traveling that very part of the wilderness, he described it like this, as, as hopelessness and sadness, deeper than all the open deserts they had crossed. There is something sinister, he went on, there is something sinister, something actively evil in this place proliferant of salt water, barren palms, and, and, and bushes, uh, which serve neither for grazing nor for firewood. So, I mean, it's not like it was a real joyous place. I mean, you know, yeah, it was hard. There were difficulties. One Bible commentator said this. Excuse me about that wilderness out there. Pardon me. On the whole, it is a horrible desert with a loose sandy soil and drifts of granite and other stones where terrible sandstorms sometimes arise. So, you know, it's not like they're going through paradise. That's for sure. Uh, there were some hard times. There were some hardships. Uh, there were some things that, you know, you know, that weren't everything that they would want them to be. And so the Israelites fell into this state of despair in which they believed that they could not endure another moment of the wilderness. This is just too hard. I, I can't do this. This is terrible. And listen to me. Listen to me now. In that discouraged state of mind, in that discouraged state of mind, they became irritable and frustrated and weary and critical of the leadership of God and Moses. <clears throat> in that discouraged state of mind. I used to have a sign in my office, really need to put it back up, that says this, discouragements of the devil. God's not going to discourage us. No, no, because we know he's always there to help, us, to help us do whatever we face. Okay, it was God that led them out there, right? No, it was God that led them out to where they are. And, and, uh, and they're just tired. I can't believe all this stuff. You let us out here to die in good grief. We're tired of all this. And, 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 and where there's no food, there's no water, you know, in good grief. And we don't even like this manna we're having to eat every day. It was the provision of God. Come on, God was providing for them day after day after day after day. And they said, we don't even like what God's given us. Come on, it got bad, didn't it? This can hit home, can it? Okay, okay. All right, all right. And when it got to that place, it was expressed in a spirit of defiance and rebellion. When it got to that place. They resented ever leaving Egypt. Come on, they, they, they were prisoners of Egypt. 
They were, they, they were servants in Egypt. They were held captive in Egypt and God delivered them. Okay, verse number five. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Where have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, neither is there any water. Or so loatheth this light bread. <clears throat> they blame God and they blame Moses for delivering them. Listen, listen. For delivering them from the better life of Egyptian bondage. They were in bondage. They were slaves. Under hard bondage. Isn't it something really if we're not careful? Even when God saves our soul, if we are not careful, we look back at that old life that was really nothing good about it. But we forget all about the bad stuff. Well, I had it better before God ever did anything. Well, that's a big lie. And you know that's a big lie. No way. No way. But the devil likes to work. And if he can get us discouraged in the way. God does have a way for us to go when he saves us, right? That's why it's so important that we love him with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. So that's why it's so important that we're practicing to do that. Because along the way, there may be a bump or two, but usually those are for our sake. So God can teach us things. The hardships come many a time so God can teach us to trust him more. To depend upon him more. To spend more time with him. It's a sadness in our land today because people get discouraged. Instead of running to God, they run to the telephone or whatever the case may be. Heavens to Betsy, folks. When, when it seems like trials and temptations are overtaking you, the best place that any of us could ever go is straight to God. Amen. He's still there for us. It, it may be tough in a way. It may not seem like everything's working out over on our side. I tell you, I, you know, I told God I was going to start tithing and giving like I should. And I started doing that, you know, but the bills still come in. <laughs> they sure do they still do they absolutely so but i'm telling you if we'll be faithful to continue to give the way that he would have us to give he'll show himself way mighty over all of that stuff he'll take care of that and there may be times as you give the way that god would have you to give in your tithes in your offerings to faith promise there may be times please stay with me there may be times it seems like well it's just too tight and i can't afford to do this i can't afford not to do it I'm telling you, God's going to bless us if we just continue to go His way. And He teaches us when we go through those hard times like that, and we just continue to do what God would have us to do. He teaches us that we can depend upon Him. We can trust Him. We don't have to get mad about the fact that God has led us to some place and wants us to do these things. I mean, they, they were blaming God. They were blaming Moses. They doubted God's ability. Here it is. They doubted God's ability to take care of them in the wilderness or to take them into the promised land. God had already promised what he was going to do. And they doubted God. It's, it's crazy. And here's what makes it even crazier than that. We're talking, about, we're talking about the generation that grew up in the wilderness. 
No, it's at a place now. This is a generation that grew up in the wilderness. No, no, no. They they expect And and even though they grew up in the wilderness with God taking care of them all along the way, they expressed a lack of faith in God who had protected them and provided for them for nearly four decades now. God had been taking care of them all this time. And still they fell into this. And here's the terrible part. Well, there's all of it's bad. But anyway, they were disrespectful and they were ungrateful of God's daily provision of the manna. We don't even like this light bread. Discouragement and Resentment are the mother's sins, are the mother's sins of bigger sins. Discouragement and resentment are the mother's sins of bigger sins. If we get to feeling like that, uh, you know, our life and everything we wanted to be as Christians and following the Lord and everything, if we get to feeling like, well, I tell you, I just don't know. I mean, I'm trying to serve God the best I can, but, you know, it just doesn't seem like everything's going the way that I wanted it to go and all this. No, no. And then we begin to resent God. Come on. No, 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 no. No, no. And we'll begin to cry. Well, I tell you, but, you know, I just wish I could live this way and that way. And I should have. And I can't even believe he brought me out of my, my, out of my lost condition. I mean, that's what Egypt represents, type of the world. I can't even believe he brought us out of the world and all this thing. brought us out here to die. No, no, no. We get to thinking like that. And I'm telling you, it is, um, it is the mother's sin of bigger sins because pretty soon we start thinking, well, I can go ahead and do this and I can go ahead and do that. And it doesn't matter if I can do this and I can do this and I can go here and all these things. No, no, we have to be very, very careful. That's why, again, I, I'm going to go back to it again, but that's why it is so important that we work at loving God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. It is so important that we work at loving Him, realizing that He saved us from hell. He delivered us. He gave us the Holy Spirit of God to dwell with us. He gave us a Bible. He gave us a Bible. I mean, blood. So much blood has been shed so we can have that Bible in our hands tonight. God has gone above and beyond for us. And we have to be mindful of that, that God is still God, even if things aren't working the way we should, even if, even if the pantry's not as full as we think it should be, even if gas is $4 a gallon. God is still good. Amen. He's going to take care of us. He's going to be there for us. I mean, there's, we, can't, we can't get disrespectful and ungrateful. We can't do that. So anyway, in their discouragement, I need to move on. In their discouragement, the children of Israel attacked God, and they attacked God's man. They attacked Moses. And, and it's, no, no, this is very serious. They belittled God's power. Well, he can't even get us through this. I'm like, uh, 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 they disdained God's provision and even questioned God's goodness. It's like God don't even care, us about, care anything about us. Oh, yeah, God cares. And, 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 and here's the thing. God's judgment on these sins fell very swiftly and severely, for sure. There was judgment. No, there was. Look at verse 6. It says, And the Lord sent fiery serpents 
among the people, and they bit the people. And much of Israel died. God's judgment was uh, fiery. He sent snakes. You know, when a person gets snake bit, um, the side of the bite, it becomes inflamed. And then as the poison begins to go through the system, it spreads painfully through the body. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And those that were bitten experienced a lot of pain and a lot of suffering from the serpent's bite. There was pain and suffering. But it was also fatal because a lot of the Israelites died a very agonizing death because of their sin. Come on, the wages of sin is death. We know that. Sure. And men who die in their sin, let me, let, me just, let me get this in there. Men who die in their sin will face a much worse judgment of God. Men who die in their sin that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to face a much worse judgment of God. A, 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 a far greater torment than any fiery serpent can inflict, that's for sure. I'm going over in Luke chapter 16, verse 23, the first part of the verse says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Hell's still a real place. Yeah. Yeah. Hebrews 9, 27, And as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So there will come that day. But another truth that we should have down by now is that God, uh, the God of the Bible is a saving God. He's a saving God. That's our God. Though he is a righteous God, <coughs> excuse me, his desire, his greater desire is to save men from the penalty and the consequences of their sin. That's what God wants. Come on, God's not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. He doesn't, he... <clears throat> and we see that in this account. <clears throat> Excuse me. When Moses prays for the people, Moses, you need to pray for us. All this is coming down. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't very long ago that they were cursing Moses, blaming him for everything that's going on. Are y'all still with me here? But now they're coming to him. Moses, you got to pray for us. Man, oh man, this isn't good. And when Moses prays for the people, God tells Moses how the people can be saved from the bite of the serpents. Um, verse number 8 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. So now get this picture, because this did happen. It's not a fairy tale. It did happen. Amen. So with uh, friends and family dying all around them, dying all around them because serpents are biting them, the people decide to quickly confess their sin at that point and to appeal to God through Moses. Moses, you got to pray for us. We need some help from God now. And uh, said, you need to pray that he'll just take the serpents away. Now hold it. Wait, no, look up here. That seems reasonable enough, doesn't it? 
Come on, if all that was happening around you, wouldn't you be saying, hey, uh, can you just ask God to get rid of these snakes because I don't want any more of this stuff. So, I mean, it seems reasonable enough. But that's not what God chose to do. God didn't choose to do that at all. Um, Once again, we see that the real problem, get this now, the real problem wasn't the snakes. The real problem was their sin. It was a sin problem. The snakes were a problem, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Mercy, the snakes were a problem, absolutely so, a very big problem. But they pointed to the greater issue of sin. And so God provided a solution and he addressed both. And as before, God provided a plan that really looked foolish in the eyes of men. Um, Being cured... By looking at a bronze serpent wrapped around a pole. That just sounds ridiculous. Come on, is anybody with me here? I mean, really, it, just, it sounds ridiculous. And it would be ridiculous if it were planned by anyone other than God. As before, God provided a plan that required uh, faith. God, these people are thirsty. What am I supposed to do? I'll go over there and smite that rock. Uh, Lord, I think, I, think, I think you're breaking up. We've got a bad connection. I said the people are thirsty. Yeah, go smite the rock. Come on, took faith. Okay. Well, if I'd have been there, I'd have just walked right over there. Oh, don't even start. It required faith, didn't it? Come on, faith. And God says, do this. Oh, that don't sound right. How's that ever going to help me? Just do what God says. Well, preacher, I've got this stuff going on in my life. Well, the Bible says that you should do that. I don't see how that ever helped me. I'm looking for real answers. Oh, no, no, I've heard it more than once. <laughs> Just listen to God. Just do what God says. But I don't see how that can work. No, 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 no. We walk by faith and not by sight. Just live the way that God wants you to live. Do the things that God wants you to do. Receive the answers that God gives for things in your life. I'm telling you, His way is always the best way. It's always the best way. So here's the thing, the serpent, uh, the serpent, no, 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 the people, the people weren't expecting the serpent on the pole to heal them. They were expecting the God who promised to heal them. They, they, they were, they were trusting, they, if, if they looked, they were trusting in the God who promised to heal them if they looked at it. Did I get that out right? I think I tried. Because you think about it, when those who looked on the pole, on the serpent, were immediately healed, no one could doubt that it was God who had healed them. Look, old Fred, I knew he was snake bit. Hey, Fred, what'd you do? I looked at the serpent. Huh? I, I looked at the serpent. I know, but what'd you do to get healed? I looked at the serpent. Well, how come? It's what God said to do. 
because verse 9 very clearly states that a person lived when he beheld the serpent of brass. When he looked on the serpent. Those who died once the pole was in place. Those who died once the pole was in place did not die because they were bitten. They died because they refused to look up in faith to be saved. Look and live. Oh, come on. Can't you see some kid standing out there? I, 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 mean, I mean, maybe he'd been bit. And maybe he looked and everything. And so, dad and mom are laying there. And they've been bit. And it's like, dad, mom, dad, please look up the serpent. Look up the serpent. You might be healed. Look up the serpent. Look up the serpent. You hear dad? Oh, hogwash. That's ridiculous. How could just having faith to look upon something and believe what has been told about it ever? How could that ever save us from this awful faith? We need to find some real answers to this. No, just look. We're just looking. Just look and live. Just look at the serpent. Just look at the liver. I, I, I need to find something. I need to find something. It's really going to work. Well, come on. Have you ever talked to anybody about Christ before? That's just too easy. You mean all I got to do is just believe about Jesus and put my faith and trust in Him and turn my, give my heart to God and, and He's going to save my soul? Yes. Oh, it's just too easy. Look and live. Come on, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. Verse 18. He that believeth on Him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Look and live. Saved by grace through faith. Simply did what God wanted me to do. Anyway, as before, God's plan, of course, it points to Jesus. Points to Him. John chapter 3 verse 14 says this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man, must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's right there. It was a picture of Jesus Christ. Oh, hold on, wait, 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 preacher, wait a minute, wait. How could a Savior, uh, who is pictured as an innocent Lamb of God, be identified with the hideous image of a venomous serpent? That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, we have to remember this. We have to remember this. Jesus was made sin for us that we could be made righteous in Him. No, He was made sin for us that we could be made righteous in Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen to this quote. Imagine that. 
In a sense, Christ became sin. He bore every evil passion and selfish degradation of the billions of people who have ever inhabited our planet. With that overwhelming deluge of misery collected upon him and identified with him as if he were the personification of all evil. He gave himself up for destruction in order to wipe out all sin and all of its consequences. Hallelujah. He did that for us. Those who look to Christ to save them from the deadly poison of sin receive eternal life in Jesus to live forever with him in heaven. Look and live. It is that simple. It was that simple back in Moses' day when God had him to make that serpent of brass and put it upon a pole and lift it up. Come on, it was that simple. Those that were bitten, you read it, you read it with me. Those that were bitten and looked upon the serpent were healed. Those today that have a sin problem, the only hope is Jesus Christ. The one that was lifted up all those years ago. He can heal us from our sin problem. Now, not everyone in the camp was bitten by a serpent. Stay with me. I'm, I'm going to wrap it all up. I know you don't believe me, but I am. I'm going to right here. Not everyone in the camp of Israel was bitten by a serpent. But everyone in this world has suffered the poison sin because of the serpent's bite in the Garden of Eden. We all have a sin problem. We're born with a sin problem. Sin's deadly poison is in the heart of every living soul. And every person who is born in this world is dying as a result of that. They're headed to the grave. And judgment's going to follow. And there is only one cure given for that. And that's the Savior who died on Calvary's tree. The one that was lifted up for the sin of mankind. Just as those who in this time, by faith, looked upon the serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness, just as they were instantly healed, all who look, all who look to Jesus in faith are immediately healed of the sin problem. To that I just say amen and amen. Hallelujah to God. Sure, sure. So, what should we do with this knowledge? Come on, I am going to wrap it up. But what should we do with this knowledge? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 says this. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we may, may, may be made the righteousness of God in him. So the Apostle Paul says that we who have been reconciled to God by our faith in Jesus Christ are ambassadors for Christ because we have experienced the truth of being made the righteousness of God in him. We are to be ambassadors for Christ. Come on. We that are saved are to be ambassadors for Christ because we have received that cure. 
and been made the righteousness of, of God in him. We who have received the cure for sins, deadly poison, are sent by Jesus to be, a, to be his ambassadors, telling others how they too can be saved because his, of his sacrifice for our sins. That's what we're supposed to do. You know that there's a lot of people that have been saved throughout time that have never one time tried to sit down with somebody and tell them about Jesus Christ. Not one time. I'd put no effort into it. No plan for it. They don't even think about it. And it's really a shame because that's why the Lord left us here after he saved us. That's why he left us here. So we could tell others. What are we supposed to tell them? Uh, look and live. Oh, come on. I know it's a little bit more extensive than that. But really, that's the bottom line, isn't it? Because we tell them about Jesus Christ. Who he is. Why he came. We tell them what he did for us. We tell them what he did for us. And how he shed his blood for us. And how he rose from the dead after three days. And how they can put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and uh, live for eternity. I know, preacher, but what if they don't believe me? That's not your department. No, I don't mind saying that again. That's not your department. See, we're, we're all scared. We don't want to go out there and tell people because we're afraid we're going to be rejected, afraid they're not going to believe us, whatever the case may be. No, 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 no. And you might be rejected, and there's a good chance they won't believe you. But I'm telling you, they can't be saved unless they hear it. And it's not our job to get them saved. Our job is to tell them the truth so they can be saved. Well, I know, but people think we're trying to shove stuff down their throat. Um, well, I know, that's just devil working, but we're not trying. No, no, no. Well, I'm not, I've never twisted anybody's arm trying to get them to be saved. I just tell them the truth, and it's up to them. And let me just throw this out there, too. And, 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 I, and I really am right at done, right at the end of my notes. But let me throw this out there, too. I have learned in my years of being saved. I've learned, am learning. That the less I depend upon me when I give someone the gospel. The more God does. Because it's not about me at all. Oh, no, I'm saying it again. It's not about me at all. It's all about him. Well, if I word it just right and get everything right, just right. Well, if I do everything just right, just right. If I just have this thing just right. I think we'll have a plan. I think we'll know what we're talking about. All those things. But I'm telling you, the main thing, that, the main thing is that we have a heart for God. The main thing is that we want those people to be saved. That we want them to believe that. The main thing is that we are trusting God to work through us when we are giving out the gospel. And we're trusting God to do the work we can't do. Because this isn't a salesmanship thing whatsoever. No, no, no. If you're just going to talk them into it where they'll make some intellectual decision, it's not going to mean anything at all. And, and the less I trust in me, no, yeah, we have to have a plan. We have to know what we're saying from the Bible. I understand that. But the less I trust in me and the more I trust in him, the more I see God do. 
And that's all I've wanted from ever. And Brother Mike, that's all I've ever wanted anything. I just want God to work. I want God to save people. I want God to change lives. I want God to do things that I cannot take credit for. And the more I trust in Him, the more He does. What about those people that don't want it? But they're out there. They're out there. When I was down at the Hope Conference, and I, I don't know if I've told you this or not, when I was down at the Hope Conference, I, I uh, one night after the service, and everybody just kind of went their way, and I was hungry, so I thought, man, oh man, I'm going to go get me a Whataburger. Okay, apparently y'all haven't ever had a Whataburger. Mercy sakes alive. You need to, you need to experience life. I thought, man, I'm going to go get me a Whataburger. So I go out and get my pickup, and, and, and I'm, I'm headed out of the parking lot. And it's like, you know, it's like, it's, this thought come to mind. I don't get it at all. This thought come to mind. You, you ought to go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Taco Bell. No, no, I'm going to go Whataburger. And it's like, thought came to mind again. You, know, you, you probably ought to go get some Taco Bell. I'm like, it's been, it's been forever since I've been to Taco Bell. And so I'm pulling out of the parking lot, and it's feel like you need to go to Taco Bell. So I, I went to Taco Bell. I'll tell you how long it's been since I've been to Taco Bell. I walked in that place, and I looked up at the menu, and they don't have anything that I used to eat there. <laughs> I mean, it's still got tacos and stuff, but I mean, it's not, you know, I used to have this certain thing. I eat these three things, and it's like, do you still, do you still have these? No. What, do you have these? No. Well, do you have any taco meat back there? Anyway, so I didn't say that. Anyway, so I picked out a few things, and they were fixing it. And so they brought it out. And the guy that was waiting on me, uh, I just pulled out one of, my, one of my testimony tracks and gave it to him and said, hey, Doc, let me leave this with you. It's got some good stuff in it. And he looked at me and goes, you're a preacher. And I said, well, yeah, I am. I am. I'm a preacher. You know, I knew it. That's what he said. I knew it. And so this other girl comes up that's working there, and she goes, are you a preacher? <laughs> I'm like, these, these people never seen a preacher before. I don't know what's going on. You know, and I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a preacher. Can I have one of those too? I said, yeah, absolutely. So you have to put up with my picture on the front of it. But yes, you can have this thing. And so she's looking at it. She's like, man, I can't believe you're in it. And here's, no, no. And she says, she, she goes, well, will you sign this? Well, okay, as long as you don't ask for my social security number, I guess everything's fine. I'm not do anything like that, you know. So I signed it and talked to him just a little bit, you know. And I'm, so I'm, I'm walking out the door, getting my pickup. I'm, I close the door. I'm looking in through the window. At their, they're standing behind the counter, both of them, with those tracks open, reading them. It, it moved my heart. It did. It moved my heart. And, and I just started, I said, glory to God, hallelujah. And I prayed for him. And then I went in and ate that greasy taco or whatever it was that I got from Taco Bell. So the next night after service, everybody kind of scattered too, and I'm hungry again. I said, I am going to Whataburger. I'm not going to Taco Bell. Anyway, so I went to Whataburger. And I went up and ordered my food and, and, uh, and, you know, paid for it and all that. Then I pulled the track out and I said, let me, let me leave this with you. It tells you a little bit about my life and there's some good Bible verses and stuff. Okay. Okay. 
okay, okay. And so, you know, she took it, and I was thankful for that. So I went back and sat and waited for them to call my number. They called my number. I went up to get my food. Well, she didn't keep the track. She'd laid it out on the counter, I guess, for whoever else might want to come along and get it. Well, how'd that make you feel? I was sad for her. But I'd done my part. And here's what I thought when I was walking out at the door of Whataburger. Somebody else will grab that. Somebody will look at it. Lord, you just use it however you want to use it. I'm just saying there's some people that, that are, so, there's some people out there that want to hear what God has to say. And hallelujah, we need to be reaching those. And we need to try to reach the ones that don't want it. But it's not our job to make them take it. We just do our best to get it to them. Because we know, we that have been saved, we know that if they'll look, they'll live. That God can save them. That God can change their life, change their eternity. For sure. Every born-again believer, every born-again believer is to be an ambassador for Christ. There's not a Christian that should decline that appointment. We shouldn't. You are the Savior's spokesperson sent out to reach others with the saving message of the gospel. You are. Well, preacher, I don't know what to say. Give them a track. Read the verses to them if you get a chance. Tell them how you got saved. I mean, whatever. However God opens the door. But just be dependent upon God. Because he's the one that has to do the work. So let me, let me just, let, let's make this the invitation. What kind of ambassador are you? Are, are you serving the interest of his kingdom? The interest of his kingdom? Or are you, are you serving your own interest? interest? What kind of ambassador are you? Well, preacher, I just don't know. Let, let, let me, no, no, this is invitation. So here, here is, here. Maybe you just need to come tonight and say, Lord, I want to be an ambassador, but I need your help and guidance. I need the boldness. I, I, I need you to lead me, peop- lead me to people that want to hear about you. Lord, I, I need you to give me the wherewithal that I would pass out tracks anywhere I'd go. Lord, I, I, need, I need you. I need you to help me with this. And it might be somebody sitting here that just needs to come and say, well, that just needs to come look and live. Maybe you've never truly been saved by the grace of God. Wednesday night service would be a good time to get saved, wouldn't it? Of course, any time's a good time to get saved. What kind of ambassador are you? Let's all stand. Father, help us. Lord, help us. My prayer tonight is that you'd help us. I don't know how you've spoken to hearts. I don't know where people are and their ambassadorship, even if that's a word. Help us to be better ambassadors for you. Help us to be telling people about your precious son. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sending your son to die for our sin, for giving us a way out. Thank you for eternal life. Lord, bless this time of invitation. Help us to do what you would have us to do in these next few minutes. Help us to move and do what you would have us to do.
And if there is someone here that's not saved, they've never truly trusted Christ, I pray they'd come. We'd love to show them how they could get that all settled. Bless this time of invitation, we pray, please. In Jesus' name, piano's going to play. Many have come to the altar. You need to come.